It's June the 9th. Let's read the Bible. Welcome back, friends, to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation, just one year. Thank you for hopping on the Bible bus with us today. We are coming near the end of the Gospel of John. More about that in a moment. I have mentioned to you on several occasions that one way you can help us certainly is to pray for us, and I hope you will. But another practical way is you can simply tell your friends about this Let's Read the Bible Project. In fact, I think that's the reason it's grown to so many hundreds and thousands of people around the world. Uh, it's, it's grown because you have shared it with your friends. And I want to mention something to you today. This is, uh, this is an idea that was given to me by my buddy, Ed Kershack, who is a pastor on the staff at Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, Ed is a great man, a great friend. He's on the board of Keep Believing Ministries. And a few weeks ago, uh, he did something that I think any of us could do. If you are on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, here is a way that, that you could get the word out to all your friends with just one message. If you go on Facebook Messenger, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the way in which inside the Facebook world, you can send messages to any of your Facebook friends. This is what Ed did. He posted a link to that particular day's Bible reading. It happened to be the day he did it, April the 19th. And there's a link. It shows me in my black polo shirt and it says, let's read the Bible, April the 19th, Luke 13 through 15. So he posted the link right there in, you know, you just bring the link and put it in there and then it shows up uh, with my picture and so on. Then it said underneath it, read through the Bible this year with Ray, exclamation point. And he pushed the button and that went out to all of his Facebook friends at once. So what a cool idea that is. It doesn't matter whether you've got maybe 5,000 friends or a thousand friends. Doesn't matter if you only have 25 or 30 friends. Instead of having to send a message out to each one of them individually, just use the all friends option in Facebook Messenger, a link to that particular day's Bible reading so people know what it's about. And then uh, join Pastor Ray as we read through the Bible this year. That's a good way you get the word out to your friends. Now, John chapters 18 and 19 today. The Passion Ministry of the Son of God, John 18 through 21. We've now come to Good Friday. It's early on Good Friday. And this is what we have in John chapter 18. After Jesus has said these things, talking about the upper room discourse, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to him, Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus told him. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said, I told you, I am he. Jesus replied, so if you're looking for me, let these men go. 
This was to fulfill the words he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the company of soldiers, the commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. First, they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die for the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside by the door, so the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them, warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews gather, and I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officials standing by slapped Jesus, saying, Is this the way you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, Give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter denied it again immediately. A rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, You take him and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you, are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, said Jesus, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I am a king. Jesus replied, I was born for this and I have come into the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. After he'd spoken this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So 
Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. John 19, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head and clothed him in a purple robe. And they kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple servants saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate responded, Take him and crucify him yourselves, since I find no grounds for charging him. We have a law. The Jews replied to him, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into the headquarters and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all. Jesus answered him, If it had not been given you from above, this is why the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. From that moment, Pilate kept trying to release him. But the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's stone in a place called the stone pavement, but in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover. It was about noon. Then he told the Jews, here is your king. They shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. The chief priest answered. Then he handed him over to be crucified. They took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and the two others with him, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests said to Pilate, chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it but cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, they divided my clothes among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said the, to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, 
that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Since it was the preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a special day. They requested that Pilate have the men's legs broken and that their bodies be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other one who'd been crucified with him. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw that he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you may believe his testimony is true, and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. Also, another scripture says, they will look at the one they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen cloths with the fragrant spices, according to the burial custom of the Jews. There was a garden in the place where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden. No one had yet been placed in it. They placed Jesus there because of the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby. What did all of it mean? I, I think two things come to my mind. Reading these words that come to the heart of our faith. Number one, that Jesus was in complete control of everything. He was in complete control when he stood before Annas, before Caiaphas. And in that discussion with Pilate, by the way, did you notice this? Pilate says three different times, he's innocent, he's innocent, he's innocent. I find no fault in him, which means there's no grounds under Roman law that this man should be put to death, which makes it all the worse that Pilate, fearful, giving in to pressure from the crowd, he sent an innocent man off to be crucified, which is why some years later, maybe 75, 80, 100 years later, when the uh, Apostles' Creed was first being put together, crucified by, under the authority of Pontius Pilate. Pilate, a man who knew better, who knew better, and clearly liked Jesus, and clearly fascinated by him. Pilate, who should have done the right thing, under pressure, did the wrong thing. And so they murdered the holy and righteous Son of God. And yet out of that terrible miscarriage of justice came the greatest good news in the world. When Jesus said, it is finished, tetelestai, it means 
It is finished. It has been finished. It will always be finished. Uh, it was a word that was used in, in ancient Greek. Uh, it, was, it, it means paid in full. You paid a grocery bill right at the bottom, Tetelestai, paid in full. Borrowed some money, pay it back, written at the bottom, Tetelestai, paid in full. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant the work was done. The price for sin had been fully paid. Like the gospel song says, Jesus paid it all, not some of it. He paid it all, paid in full your sins and mine, past, present, and future. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So, my friends, rejoice. The price has been paid. In the death of Christ, the sin problem has been solved forever. It is not by works that we have done or ever could do. It is by Jesus and his death on the cross. Rejoice, 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 Christian friend. Jesus paid it all. Go out and have a great God-blessed day. Come back tomorrow. We're going to see the climax of the amazing, wonderful Gospel of John. See you then.